Hey everybody, you are listening to the Vocal Advancement Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Tom, joined by the lovely Heather as always. Bonjour. 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 I know. That accent's very nice. That makes me think you've just been to France or something. Uh, uh, how did you guess? <laughs> I know. I've just See? spent a lovely week in France. Very nice. Where about in France? <laughs> we were uh, in the Loire, in the Loire Valley. Oh, is that but, south? Which is just south of Paris, a little bit south of Paris there, in inland, lovely river running through oh, it. Oh, nice. It would have been lovely if it hadn't rained every single oh. day we were there. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so you get for driving four and a half hours down to Kent and then another five and a half hours after you get off of the uh, the train on the other side under the over the channel. Um, oh, that's but, a long you know, ride. Never mind. It but still, right. it's, a, the, it's a change of scenery. It was a change of scenery and it was lovely and we still met the kids still went in the pool. The kids didn't care if it was overcast, they went to the pool and we It'd be warm though, wasn't it? It was. It was one of those where it would rain for an hour and then the sun would come out and it'd be fine. Oh that's fine. So it was it was fine. It was the rain lovely. cools it off a little bit. It makes it bearable. And I ate my body weight in cheese and bread <laughs> and wine, wine. and mm. so that was worth the journey in of itself. Nice. <laughs> nice. So now you're refreshed and ready to go. I am. I am. Do you know what? I am definitely refreshed. I was, I was saying to you before, wasn't I, Tom, that this, I, I'm in the final month of my master's at the moment, <laughs> which is supposedly a part-time master's, but it's taken over my entire life. And I didn't do any of it while I was away. And then I came back. And then on Tuesday, I booked the day off to do writing. I'm like, I'm going to work on it that day and I managed to bash out like 1,500 words and I was so proud of myself. I'm like, my brain is working for me today. (laughs) After that rest, that's what it needed. Needed a week to just do nothing. Mm. So yeah, it's good to have a break occasionally, isn't it? It is, definitely. Change the scenery, like just, it does wonders for the soul. It does. You're off somewhere, aren't you? Is it next week you're going away? I am in two days. I'm traveling to the very north of Scotland. So I'm looking Beautiful. forward to lots of wine and yeah. no work and just relaxing. It's up on the beach, so like lots of beach walking with a dog and it'll be Beautiful. Nice. And midgy season has finished, so there'll be no midges. It'll be nice <laughs> and safe to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> you say that. <laughs> I know. I'm packing the midgy spray just in case. Just in case, I would. <laughs> I know. I actually, last time I was up there, I've only, I've, I used, we were going on holiday. We used to go as a child, like every year for many years. And I've only been as an adult once to this area about five years ago. No, eight years ago. And I was running a half marathon at the time. And so it was still trying to run whilst on holiday to like, you know, not. Crazy. I know. And I remember getting attacked by midges, like running along oh, the road. It's no. horrible. Never thought to take midge spray. So like ran straight into the shop, like midge spray everywhere, choking on the stuff. <laughs> that oh, was a different gosh. time of year. So. <laughs> mm. Ah, well. Oh. Yeah, no, holidays are not for running. Only crazy people go on holiday to run. <laughs> well, needless to say, I've never done a half marathon again. So there'll be no running on this holiday. Oh, good. 
Holidays are for lying in, not for running around the place. I know. We did. We did discover that the place there's a like they have like it's a small village, local eatery, but they make homemade cheesecakes every day. It's like a special. Yummy. When it's right next door to the ice cream parlor. (laughs) Amazing. So there'll be lots of running when we come back from this holiday. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah, the running is where you get home and realise you've put on about £20 and need to get rid of it again. Yeah. Uh It's all good. That's a sign of a good holiday. I know. So I'm looking forward to cheesecake and feet up. Great. Great. Yeah, Yeah, it's all good. I know. It's my first holiday this year. We need holidays. I know. Yeah, we need holidays. It's good for the soul to take a break from work and, you know, just chill. I know. And listening to this podcast as you're driving to your vacation spot is an excellent way to pass the time. Absolutely (laughs) is. What else would you be doing? (laughs) Love that. Taking me on Tom on holiday with you. I know. I I mean, you wouldn't even have to buy us any wine. It would be so much much cheaper than actually taking us on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) But if anybody listening would like to take me and Tom on holiday, we're we're very willing for you to pay for us to come on holiday with you. (laughs) Absolutely. And just as a reminder, as I said in the last episode, I only travel business class. (laughs) 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 Yeah, good luck with that one. I know. It's worth a try. What are are we talking about in today's episode, Tom? Well, we're we're talking, but we're also going to be gesturing about gestures. We are. Apparently. We are. And, uh, you know, it's a podcast, so those of you listening can't see that we are gesturing away. But I, I mean, know. I gesture away. And they're not rude gestures. The anyway, but can... They're not rude gestures. Thank you very much. <laughs> for those of you who are thinking that at home. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the topic of my final master's thesis. This is what I am currently doing, the research that I have been doing. And so that's why I thought, you know, why not? We should do an episode where I, you know, spill out everything that's been going on in my brain for the last mm. however many months and the research <laughs> that I've been doing. Feels like it's been going on a lot longer than it probably has, but like I say, it does take over your life a little bit when you do these sorts of things. Crazy things like doing your masters. It It will. I'll be very pleased when it's done. Um, But yes, gestures was the topic that I chose for my final project. Um, And the reason being is that there are some really fascinating, I guess, theories behind why gesturing and I literally mean gesturing with your hands moving your hands around in particular ways why gesturing whilst you sing can potentially be beneficial um, and therefore can potentially be a really valuable teaching tool for us teachers to use to help Mm. our students achieve certain things Um, so my research very much was looking into those potential reasons behind why gestures might be beneficial what what is the supposed reason behind the link between gestures and singing um but then i also kind of put it to the test so i also did a, a research project using one specific gesture uh to see what impact it would have on a beginner singer's vibrato Ooh. Uh, and and yeah I'll get into that in a bit. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to save that for the end, so you have to listen to the I'm going to save that to the end, so you have to listen to it to find out what I found. (laughs) 
But what? So, like, if somebody's listening and they're thinking, like, what do you mean by gestures with the hands? Like, what? What? What is it? What does that mean? Well, it can mean a very a variety of things. So, there was a a, a research study done by um, somebody called Julia Nefasi. Nefasi, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Um, she's in Australia, and she did like a survey of voice teachers. She did one in Australia, and then she did followed up with another one, also um, surveying teachers in. Germany, as well as Australia. And she basically asked these teachers, do you use gestures in your teaching? And the resounding answer overall was yes. Like 100% of them, in some way or other, use gestures in their teaching. But they use them in slightly different ways. So some teachers use gestures to, for example, demonstrate the way the voice works. So one that I use all the time is when I'm talking about Cord, vocal cord closure and airflow, I will often open and close my hands to demonstrate the vocal cords opening and closing. That's a gesture, right? We do right. that a lot. Um, another one that I use quite a lot is one to, to gesture the tongue. So I'll put one hand flat like it's the bottom of the mouth and the other hand on top will represent the tongue. And I can curl my hand up to say, look, your tongue is doing this in your mouth. Um, and maybe that's not beneficial for you at this particular point in time or whatever. So we can gesture to basically recreate the goings on of the voice. So that's one way in which teachers gesture. I'm sure you do you do that in your teaching time. Do you find yourself using those sorts of gestures? I do. Yeah, particularly like the tongue thing for that mm. and the cord closure, like the wave of the cords moving. Yeah, I do find I use them a lot and it's helpful yeah. because... You don't often, you can't often visualize what that looks like if you haven't seen it. So it's helpful for a student to right. be able to understand, okay, well, this is what's happening in my throat or this is where my tongue is because they might not be aware. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. Um, another form of gesture that teachers used were gestures to highlight like musical phraseality. So, hmm. for example, if they wanted a student to sing something staccato, they might jab their hand in a staccato sort of manner, or if they wanted them to sing something legato, they might use a much more, you know, kind of softer yeah. waving motion. So there were gestures that teachers were using for that benefit as well. So to help almost conduct the musicality of what their students were singing. So that's another kind of um, gesture that, that teachers often use. Um, but the type of gesture that I was particularly interested in was gestures that have a direct influence on how the voice works. So gestures that are used to specifically get the voice to do a particular thing. Um, so having an actual physiological impact on the voice. Um, and the gesture that I chose to look at was one that I have used in my teaching, and I know a lot of teachers within IVA may well have come across this one, is this basically waving your hand up and down to mimic vibrato oh. and to cause the voice to create vibrato. So this is one that I use a lot with my students. And I've seen it work with my students, but I haven't really kind of researched it and explored it and measured it in the way that previously to the way that I have done in this this particular project but that is one example of that now other examples could be something as simple as forming a tight fist to create a better cord closure oh 
and releasing the tight fist to prevent people from creating too much muscularity in the chord closure. So sometimes you'll see when, when singers are particularly muscular in their singing, you might notice that they also have a habit of clenching their fists. So they are unwittingly gesturing something that is impacting the voice. And if you can get them to loosen up their hands and suddenly they're not clenching their fists anymore, that can help to reduce some of the tension in the voice. That's really so similarly, we can use that the other way around. Mm. We can potentially, if, if we've got someone who hasn't got enough chord closure, not getting enough muscularity in their voice, if we can get them to gesture something a little bit more muscular, that can influence the way that the voice is working. Mm. Um, that so that one. was the area I was really interested in. So what made you pick the vibrato one then? Like, was it just so, because it's common? It was one that I had used before, and I, to be honest, I, I, I'm denied about which one to do. But in terms of creating a really kind of solid research design, it was one. It was one of the easier ones to measure accurately. Mm-hmm. So, another gesture that I had denied about utilizing, but decided against for reasons of accuracy of measurement basically was sometimes when I'm trying to get students to move from the bottom of their voice to the top of their voice without there being an audible change I will often get them to put one hand flat and use another hand to slide along the first hand as they're singing from low to high so a kind of a mom Obviously, mm. if you're not watching this on YouTube right now, you won't see what I just <laughs> like, did there, but hopefully on? I've described <laughs> that accurately. So whilst they're moving, if they are gesturing forward, it kind of prevents them from thinking upwards. And so what can happen is you can get a slightly less audible change from bottom to top. So that was another gesture that I toyed with using. Um, but I ended up in the Verato one, like I said, mostly because it's it's relatively easy to measure in a slightly less controlled environment, because that's where I was going to be recording, was in a slightly less controlled environment. Um, so it's quite easy to measure the rate and the extent of vibrato. So that's what I was looking at. So, And this vibrato one, like I say, it's one that I've used a lot. Hmm. And I've seen it working, and I, I'm pretty sure I've seen it working, but I was thinking, am I just imagining that it's working, or is there something going on here? <laughs> And am I just, you know, wafting my hand around because it makes me feel better or is it actually making a difference to the singer? So that's what I wanted to measure. Um, And alongside that, I was doing a lot of reading into um, the very small, very limited number of studies that had previously been done on gesture that really aren't anywhere near enough, considering the vast array of gestures that we can potentially use when we're teaching, there's only really been like less than 10 studies done in the last 15 years that have looked at the impact of gesture on the voice. So it's a really underexplored area, um, but all of those studies had all concluded that gestures had some impact on the voice. Not always positive, some were negative. Oh, okay. So there were some studies where, for example, they had looked at the difference between gesturing high and gesturing low on the voice and concluded that when, when the students gestured high, their pitch improved. Uh, 
but when they gestured low, it got worse, for example. Really? So there was, a, there was a distinct kind of conclusion reached that it's not just about gesturing, it's about gesture selection, finding the right gesture to produce the right results. And like I was saying about that, you know, strong-fisted thing causing tension in the voice, if you've got someone with tension in the voice creating a, you know, a tight fist is going to make that worse. Whereas if you're starting with somebody with less tension, that could make it better. So it's about finding how is this gesture going to influence the voice. And is that, um, so like that, because the, the fist thing, like, because I'm thinking like that's like almost like a, an unconscious representation of a muscular function. So is that, is, mm-hmm. is that different from body language, would you say, or is it kind of on the same? It's very linked, very much linked together. But there is definitely evidence that hand gestures in particular, so upper limb movement, mm-hmm. is very uniquely tied to vocalisation. And this is where the fascinating bit that gets me comes in. This is where mm-hmm. I get really excited and geeky about it. <laughs> because when we start looking at the reasons behind, well, why? why? Why would doing something with our hands make any difference to our voice whatsoever? Like, they're not directly linked, are they? However, when you look at the neuroscience, the part of the brain that is responsible for vocalization is very intertwined and very close to the part of the brain responsible for gesturing. And what they have found is that very similar parts of the brain light up when you do one and the other. And when you combine the two together, they can set each other off. They can link in the brain. And so a hand gesture can very easily influence what's going on in the voice simply because of the the neurological underpinnings of what's going on in the brain as you do each thing mm-hmm. so yeah it's really fascinating so there are studies from not so much from the singing world but from the speech world where for example they've gotten people to tap out and stress on particular words as they were talking and the harder they tapped, the more influence it had on the way that the vocalize it, you know, the word was produced, for example. Wow. Um, and similarly, as they were having them say certain syllables, if they were making a bigger gesture versus a smaller gesture, they found that the, the way that they, you know, with no other explanation, the way that their, their vocal was being produced changed as they gestured from large to small. So there is a strong neurological link there, which is, to my mind, one of the most important reasons why gesturing and vocalisation are tied together. Um, now, there are other reasons. So there are some like bodily links. So a very vigorous sort of gesture, upper body gesture, can have a little bit of a knock-on effect in terms of it can influence the ribs, which can influence the lung capacity, which can influence the subglottal pressure, which potentially influences the way the voice is produced. Mm-hmm. Um, so certain gestures, there may be a little bit of that going on as well. But for much more, you know, kind of simple gestures that maybe just use the hands rather than the whole arm, that's less likely to be the reason. Um there are also there's also potential kind of reasonings but in terms of how the brain learns so um 
for example, if we look at the field of motor learning, so singing is a motor skill, and we've talked about motor learning a little bit before in some of our podcasts. Mm-hmm. One of the the main kind of ideas within motor learning is that having an external focus of attention can benefit learning a motor skill. So in studies, for example, with golfers, when they get the golfer to focus more on where they want the ball to go, they tend to be more accurate than when they get the golfer to focus on how their arms are moving to hit the ball to get it to go there, if that makes sense. So instead of thinking about the internal movement of what they have to do, if they think about the external results of what they're, they're aiming for, they tend to do a better job. And they imagine the same is likely to be true of singing as well. So the more we focus on the inner workings of our voice, the more we get ourselves into a little bit of a, you know, kind of, a, I don't know, a mess sometimes, not always. Yeah. And so the idea is thinking about some an external goal can be more beneficial. So when we use a gesture, we are effectively creating that external focus for the singer which can then help them hit the target a little bit better than focusing on the internal workings of the voice. So with my example with the vibrato, having them think about, okay, so the vocal folds have to vibrate and allow the air through a particular, and the muscles have to work in a particular way. Thinking about those inner workings are less likely to produce what you want versus here's a gesture that demonstrates what's going to happen. Can you mimic that? Yeah, because thinking about all of that stuff, you tie, like you say, you get yourself tied in tongues, but just a simple visual representation is much easier for the brain or the singer to be like, right, okay, so you want this. Because basically it. it looks like the sound is, sounds like it's doing that kind of thing. So Exactly. It's the, the hand is kind of representing the vibration on the pitch or the vibration on the air because vibrato can be, be created both ways with a vibration from the air and a vibration on the pitch. Um. And so there's also as well, so my study, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep talking, Tom. Yeah, yeah. You know me? This is I'm, fascinating. I'm, I'm like exciting. So you can tell. This is a topic I'm excited about. So as well as looking at those kind of neurological and learning sort of reasonings, I was also intrigued as to um, whether there was an explanation as to why sometimes just observing the teacher making a gesture could potentially impact the voice too. Because from my personal experience, I have had students where I have gestured for the vibrato and they have started singing with vibrato. So Mm -hmm. my gesture has triggered that response in them. And I wanted to see whether that was just my imagination again. Like I say, I'm like, (laughs) am I just hearing it because I think I'm hearing it? Or is that actually having that response are they able, am I able to elicit that response? So the other area that I looked into was the area of mirror neurons. So again, it's all neuro stuff, but the idea of my gesture being able to trigger a very similar response in their brain as if they were gesturing. Can we just see somebody else's gesture and have the same? Could I just create a a fist for them and would that have a similar effect as them creating a fist in their voice? Um, And so that was the other area that I looked into as well. Like, are we able to use gestures 
as a teacher whilst we're teaching and have our student have a similar response or do the, does the student really need to be making the gesture themselves to get that benefit? So that's how I designed my study. My study basically... I was very eager to look at beginner singers. So vibrato is an element. If anybody out there teaches a lot of beginners, you'll know that that's something that is often absent from a beginner mm-hmm. singer's kind of skill set is the ability to use a vibrato. And vibrato is something that really adds that polish onto their voice that makes them feel like they're beginning to sound a little bit more professional is that ability to have that vibrato there. And so that was another reason why I wanted to choose that as my, my focus. Um, and so... I got, I, mean, I think it was 41 in the end, 41 uh, kind of beginner singers. Um, and I didn't tell them what they were doing. I was a bit naughty. It was a bit of an ethical, <laughs> ethical area here. I didn't specifically tell them that I was measuring vibrato. I didn't specifically tell them that that's what the study was for. And I certainly didn't tell them that that's what the gesture meant. And I actually had them do a couple of other things as well to try and put them off <laughs> put them off what the primary <laughs> purpose of the study was. So they had to do a couple of other gestures along the way. But they basically, I measured how much vibrato they had in their voice to begin with. So I had them sing just an E to see how much vibrato was in that to begin with. Then I had them do it four more times and they were randomly assigned an order in which they had to do it in so um they would sing it without gesturing but watching me do that gesture that was one Mm -hmm. the second one was they would gesture along with me but they would watch me and they would gesture themselves somewhere where they couldn't see it so they were gesturing Mm -hmm. but also watching my gesture Mm -hmm. and then the third one was they would just gesture without seeing anything at all so they weren't watching their own gesture so it's like okay now you're doing it but you're not seeing it let's see what difference that makes and then the fourth one was that they would gesture somewhere where they could actually see themselves and they would focus on their own gesture as it was happening and everyone got in a slightly different order so that there was less chance of just kind of repetition of the exercise improving it and then I measured the rates and the extents of the vibrato throughout and Across the board, it absolutely demonstrated that the gesture overall, so in all of the, the, the versions where they were gesturing versus their baseline, there was more vibrato. Given that I had not told them that I wanted more vibrato, so they didn't know that this was the goal. They were beginners. A lot of them had never had a voice lesson before, so they had no idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> they were just making this <laughs> funny noise and making this funny gesture. Um But the one that was most powerful amongst them all was the one where they gestured and watched their own gesture. So that was significantly more successful. That elicited significantly more vibrato than the other ones. And the one that was the least powerful was the one where they were just watching me. So we can kind of conclude from that that they actually doing the gesture is important. Um, however, it, within the subsets of people, I had asked them a few questions beforehand and the people who had had some voice lessons or were having voice lessons, even though they were beginners, some of them were having voice lessons at my studio. Those people had a much bigger response to watching me do the gesture than the people who'd not had any voice lessons. 
which mm. potentially suggests that this mirror neuron response kind of relies on previous experience of the thing. So we can kind of assume that if they're having lessons, they may well have been encouraged to make vibrato beforehand, and therefore their brain may have a previous kind of programming of creating vibrato, and therefore they're more responsive to watching a teacher gesture. So as teachers, what we can potentially take from that is that once we have gotten them to make a gesture and seen a response on the vocal from that gesture, we may then also be able to elicit a similar response simply by doing it ourselves and having them watch us do it. Um, mm, that's really interesting. So, so that's kind of what my study kind of has concluded, and that's what I'm currently writing up and getting crazy about writing all the, the number of words that are required to write this up. Um, but it's, it's fascinating to me. I find it yeah. fascinating. I find it really interesting um, as well that even... like the gesture where they can't see that they're doing it still elicits a response suggesting Absolutely. that it's not it's not all about the visual as well no and so that the doing it without seeing it kind of i suppose reduces the impact of that external kind of focus that we were talking mm. about from the motor learning because they're not focusing on it which then even further kind of impacts that that theory that there is that neuro link. It's simply the act of gesturing, even while not looking at it, that is triggering off that vocalization response. That's really, really amazing. And like it's funny now because as you were talking about that and things, I was thinking of like watching singers on stage or like in, you know, performances and stuff and like watching some of the gestures that they use. And sometimes you can tell that it's a sign they're struggling and they're like using the gesture to try and push their way through. Mm. But then there are other occasions where like I've seen, for example, let's take Mariah Carey. When she sings, she throws a note up to like an E4, an E5 or something like that. You'll see her like throw her hand up as if she's like throwing the pitch up yeah. to it. And when she does a run, she's like, you know, really vigorously. Duh, 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 yeah. Finger waggle. Yeah. And you think that it's just like a diva moment, but actually I wonder if subconsciously in her brain she's like, I'm I'm struggling, so I'm using this to get me to the what I need to come out of my mouth. And so that's that's really interesting. Absolutely. And it might not even be that you're struggling, it might just be that that is the link that has been created. And so those two things are so intertwined now that they just come as a pair. They mm. just come as a pair now to do that. And actually, that upwards gesturing thing, and that's something we can be, you know, kind of vigilant of as teachers, is that, like I said, not all gesturing is beneficial. Some is detrimental. So, for example, if you've got a student that is constantly pushing and reaching up for higher notes, and you notice that they are constantly gesturing up as they are going upwards, then we might want to turn that on, their, uh, on, our, on its head and get them to gesture downwards instead to see whether that begins to prevent them from reaching in the same way. Mm. So being aware of what gestures our students automatically want to throw into the mix and whether those are actually beneficial or whether they're actually making it more difficult for them um, can be a really useful tool too. Yeah, and I'm like, because I, I was whilst preparing some stuff for our, our warm up week or theme that we we've had, 
I came across a video of an opera singer warming up and she was using gestures and I found her gestures really interesting. Not knowing what she was doing for her warm up, I could tell from the gestures because she was doing this like tall with, and then you could hear the vowel got tall and then she was pushing forward with her finger as if she was like focusing the sound, as if she was like tuning a resonance. Mm-hmm. And without understanding her warm up or her what her thoughts were, I was like, oh, I can tell what you're doing just from her gestures. And so she was clearly using Absolutely. that as a tool to prepare her voice to walk on stage because it was pre-performance. You know, she was in her dress and stuff. But that's really interesting that, mm-hmm. it, like, it's a, a tool in our arsenal as teachers, but it's also a tool in our arsenal as singers. To once we find something that's helpful for ourselves, we can use it to try and elicit a consistent response from our voice. We absolutely can. And it's a training tool, but it can also be totally used on stage to an extent. Mm. You know, if you know that gesturing downwards helps you get to the high notes, then there is absolutely nothing to stop you from doing a downwards gesture as you're singing your top note on stage. You know, we can be kind of smart about how we use these things. Obviously, you know, waving your hand in front of your eyes every time you want your voice to vibrato (laughs) might be a bit much, but... (laughs) But there's, you know, it can be done in some way. It could be, could be done, you know, in the recording studio. It could be done. Yeah, we can see absolutely. what you're doing in the recording studio. That's for sure. But the idea of this is like anything else that we do, where any other kind of unfinished sort of tools that we use when we're training singers is that it can elicit the response that you want until the body is familiar with that response. Mm. So then you no longer need the gesture to trigger that. So it's not necessarily that you always have to make that gesture. It can be used as a training tool to get the voice to the place that we need it to be so that it can be replicated when you go out to perform. Because do you have to be careful? Because I could imagine the situations where sometimes a singer may then take that gesture as a crutch. I can't do it without the gesture. And so they have to, there's a kind of line they have to be careful of. Would you say that's fair? Absolutely. I'm, but, absolutely. And I say that would be the same thing for everything. You mm. know, how many students have we had who've come in for one lesson and we've maybe... I don't know, given them uh, a pharyngeal sound to help them negotiate the passages and then we don't see them for three weeks and they come back and they just sing everything like this and you're like, uh, that's yeah. a bit much now. <laughs> okay, you, you've, you've overutilized that mm-hmm. tool. This, it's not an end result. This was just a, a, you know, a stepping stone towards you know, the end. Um, so as with everything that we give our singers, everything is kind of a temporary measure until they're able to, to find it without that. Um, I often talk about using crutches. You know, when you you break your ankle, you'll be given crutches, but the goal mm. isn't to use the crutches for the rest of your life. The goal is to use the crutches to build back the strength yeah. in your foot to be able to do it without the crutches. Absolutely. And it, it, I mean, it's interesting because the more we talk about all these different kind of areas of the voice like as teachers the more I honestly start to feel like I'm a painter with that palette thing you know you put your thumb through and you have all the different colors and it's like each color represents Mm -hmm. a different tool in our arsenal you know body language our own voices now gestures it just it feels really like there's all these things that we can use to elicit success in our students like much quicker than without them Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll give you one example of a study that I read, which actually came from a conducting study. And here's another example of how just observing a gesture can make a difference. So um, in this study, I think it was Platt, Platt et al. um, They looked at the, the difference the conductorial gesture made on how a choir inhaled as they sung. 
and they did two different gestures. One was kind of an outward preparatory gesture. So the hands moved out and up as they wanted their singers to breathe in. And what they found is when the gesture moved outwards, they got um, a lower, more abdominal in-breath from the singers. And then when they gestured inwards, like breathe in, and they moved their hands from out inwards, what they found is that they got far more clavicular, higher breathing going on from the singers. Mm. So simply no other instruction, nothing said to them. They literally watched the conductor do this or do this. And their body responded immediately to that gesture to either breathe one way or another. Um, so as a teacher, we can that's something we can very easily use. And I have used that after reading that study. I'm very careful now. I'm like, oh, I wonder yeah. whether I can just encourage somebody to take a lower breath just by gesturing like that. And I've seen it work, just FYI. Um, so it's a great one, that one. I love that study. So you can see how certain gestures can really elicit a, a very simple but very powerful response. And again, it demonstrates how certain gestures can elicit maybe a response that you're yeah. not looking for. Absolutely. And it just because that makes me think now about choir directors standing in front of the choir, how to you because, you know, you wave your hands and stuff like that when you want certain things to happen. But positive gestures to get something happening, you know, that would help the sound. Are re that's really interesting to think about that. And yeah, like this, I'm finding this yeah. fascinating. It is. It's a fascinating little world. And like I said, there's not been enough research done in this field. Uh, which is one of the reasons why I chose it for, for my research, because I'm like, there's not been enough done and I want to do some more to just add to, you know, the, the kind of evidence that is there to suggest that this is a really powerful tool. Because like I say, there, there were studies done where they, you know, asked teachers and the majority of teachers used it, but not all teachers used it to affect a vo like a, a vocal technique, you know, they didn't mm, use it yeah. to elicit a better vocal tonality. They might have used it to describe what's happening in the voice um, or just through general communication, but not necessarily to impact the singer's voice. Um, and so I think that's something that clearly a lot of teachers could be utilising to get a better, better response from their singers. Yeah, like we say, it's another, it's another tool on your, your paint you know your toolkit for mm -hmm. teaching That's particularly it. you know if it if it can help the student to go away and practice that at home and continue to get that response i think it's a great thing but yeah this is I, like this is really fascinating and i just i can i'm starting to think of like scenarios of students where you know i can give them this gesture you know go home and do this when you're practicing to try and help them so that if they're maybe because you know sometimes our students go away to practice they're not not sure sometimes they struggle to replicate what they can do in front of you so this mm -hmm. gives them just like an extra layer of something to give them that help which i think is is, is amazing but i just i just the whole brain voice body connection the more we, the more we talk about it the more we interview people and have these kind of chats just it's it's just such fascinating how it this is. all comes together to you know produce Definitely. sound and we just and i think a lot of the time of in terms of learning, when you were talking about learning as well, like in a, a previous assignment I did, I was looking at, you know, kind of how we learn. And uh, 
that whole theory of, oh, you're either a visual learner or you're a kinesthetic learner is, is basically a load of rubbish. Mm. We are all multimodal learners. And what, what I mean by that is that everybody will learn better if information is delivered in more than one modality at the same time. So rather than just learning through visual alone, if you like your visuals, great. But if you then combine your visuals with something auditory, you'll learn better than if you just watch the visual. Mm. And so... By introducing gestures into the singing, we're just adding an extra modality onto the process of learning to sing, which also is going to be beneficial for the singer to learn that skill more. They're going to learn that more quickly because you've got that extra modality helping them. And that's what we want, isn't it? At the end of the day, as mm-hmm. teachers, we want our students to learn faster, to get to where they want to be faster and achieve success that they're looking for. So I think everything we can do as teachers to help them like i think feel like we have a duty to to know these kind of things you know that's it absolutely but yeah this is that i find this very interesting and i think our listeners will as well and i i definitely think that we we need some a webinar in future on this topic you know and some to see yeah. some examples of this in action with with singers i think that would be really fascinating absolutely to and like you say, there's loads of examples out there. As soon as you start looking for it, you start seeing how much people are using gestures while they're singing, while they're warming up, all of these things, while they're teaching, without even consciously realizing that they're doing it. it it's happening a lot. And so mm. all I kind of advise our teachers is to become just a little more mindful about it, to make sure that the gestures that you are using are ones that are eliciting the response that you were hoping to get and that you're not gesturing anything that could potentially be making it more difficult for your student to, to achieve what you're trying to get them to do. That's excellent advice, yeah. So paying attention to how we're gesturing as we're you know because we we have to think about what we're saying you know what's the language we use we have to think about how we demonstrate you know so thinking about how we're using our hands how we're you know it's all it all comes together in this neat little package doesn't it i I just yeah so i'm going to be thinking about what i'm doing with my hands next time i'm teaching (laughs) yes Yes. Be conscious of it now. <laughs> I like this one. I like. I've never thought of this before. Like this one. This one's a good yeah. one. I like that. This one that is idea. a good one. That that's the hand. Those people listening, he's doing the hand over the hand, sliding along. And again, that's just a visual to stop people. But you know what it's like. As soon as mm. people think the note is higher, they're reaching for it. So mm-hmm. if you can get them focused on just delivering everything straight ahead instead of up, that can be very helpful. I do remember that because that actually brings back memories. I remember when I had a voice lesson with I can't remember the name of the teacher but she encouraged for vibrato her encouragement was to imagine singing the straight tone and then wobble the finger yeah which was at the time that worked for me um just as uh, kind of like right in front of your face I but I also found that very helpful when trying to do straight tones was to draw a straight line while holding the pitch there you go you know? absolutely and I've heard um pretty sure it was Ken Bozeman talking about he, when he wants vibrato from a singer, he gets them to tap their finger on the piano. Just tap them. Mm. So again, it's just another physical little gesture to, to do that. Um, you know, this I don't think there is one right, true gesture to use for anything. It's just making sure that the gesture that you're using is having the response that you yeah. want. And if it's not, maybe try something else. Mm. Very good. I, th- I've enjoyed this conversation Great. today. Oh, yeah. good. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to reading your paper. Spilling when it's out done. my brain. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, you're all however many thousands of words. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send it over to you, Tom. <laughs> yeah, no, genuinely, like, I, 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 I've genuinely found this fascinating. Like, the conversation about the pitching as well, I still, like, refer back to things from mm-hmm. that conversation we had about the pitching, and it's just, it, it's just so helpful to, like, have these conversations, like, you know, because sometimes yeah. you just have to talk something out to pick it up better as well. So, you know, so maybe it's helped you and your brain in the processing of your, your Well, I was going to say, there was definitely a question you asked me that made me think, have I, have I, have I talked about that in my paper? Right, I need to go back and make yeah. sure I put that Posted in my paper. Right today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Make sure I include Quite that. Right. Thank you. I take commission. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Put your credit on the bottom. Yeah, that'd be great. That's fabulous. Thank you. Oh my word! But that was a lot of fun. So, though, right? um, who, 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 who? Have we we must have a proper guest next time. I, I don't. I'm not a proper guest, am I? Really? But have we, we got are. have we got a proper guest coming up for our next episode, Tom? Well, we do. So we're actually going to be chatting to one of our fellow co-founders of IVA. Uh, we're going to be talking to Stephanie Baum Kruger, uh, who Amazing. is in Germany. And Stephanie uh, coached on The Voice in Germany for a couple of seasons. And then she did, I think it's The Voice Kids. I don't think it's called that in Germany, but The Voice Kids or the equivalent show as well. She coached on that too. Um, so we're going to be chatting to her about what it's like to work in that environment you know the pressure of a tv show and because she was the like a not they have like behind off-camera coaches and they have like on-camera coaches so she was an on-camera coach for one of the teams so it'll be um really interesting to find out kind of amazing what's expected when you're in that kind of role and the pressures that you face as you deal with it because i mean it's just crazy hectic schedules that they work to isn't it so it'd be a very interesting yeah. conversation too Fantastic. And Stephanie has been um, instrumental in creating our new IVA warm-up app as well, hasn't she? She has indeed, yes. She was the, the brains behind the, the exercises and the information that went along with it. And it's her that's talking through and actually doing the female demonstrations as well on the female version of the app. Amazing. I'm really looking forward to getting to speak to stephanie then that sounds like it's going to be a very interesting episode so what do people need to do tom if they want to make sure that they don't miss that that yeah yeah you got to make sure that wherever you're listening to this that you subscribe so if it's on apple podcasts click the follow button or if you're watching on youtube make sure you're subscribed and we'll put it out on our mailing list as well when the episode comes out so there's somewhere everywhere to find us so that you can get that episode when it comes out we try to be amazing of course omnipotent (laughs) (laughs) just bugging people from as many different channels as possible all around you (laughs) (laughs) so no escaping the vocal advancement podcast Yes, yeah, so uh, fun times. Yes, you, you love it really, don't you? Yes. You do. Well, thank you for joining us today, everybody. Yeah, I hope you find that interesting. And if you have any experiences of gestures, I'd love to hear from you. So, you know, send us an email. Absolutely. Leave a if comment. If you've got on any questions post. or anything, reach out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you want to see a webinar in our monthly webinar schedule about this, let us know as well, because that's something we're happy to do. So, yeah, thanks for listening and have a great day. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>